on this episode of Catholics in the Capital. On today's show, Dr. Marco Clark, President and CEO of Bishop McNamara High School. Vincent Capmona, Chairman of Mona Electric with Andy Mona and Amanda Mona of the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Dan Dan, the radio man. All this and more. Stay tuned. Catholics in the Capital starts right now. Good afternoon, friends. I am your radio host, Christina Cox, and welcome to Catholics in the Capital. And we are coming to you from our nation's capital today on Friday, February 2nd. Catholics in the Capital is brought to you by the generous support of Mona Electric Company and their chairman, Vincent Capmona. Here we are at the Guadalupe Radio Network studio, and I am looking at the beautiful Capitol building right outside our window. It's a beautiful but cloudy day, pretty cold. So listeners, stay warm and listen to our show today. This is the place to be. You're not going to want to miss our interview today as we'll be talking to Dr. Marco Clark, who is the president and CEO of the Bishop McNamara High School. And this is Catholic co-ed school with grades from 9 to 12. It was founded by Father Basil Anthony Moreau, whose legacy was the Congregation of the Holy Cross. And this school was voted one of the best schools in Prince George's County, and it's located in Forestville, Maryland. Dr. Clark will talk with us today about their mission to educate young men and women in and through their Catholic faith. Bishop McNamara High School is a college preparatory school in the Holy Cross tradition. They welcome all students from diverse backgrounds and will share with us about the Andrew Mona Student Center. It was dedicated by Cardinal World last October and their plans on designing a new science center and innovation center, which will be named in the honor of an all-girls school merged called Lorraine High School. And later we will have our exclusive interview with Vince Cap Mona, chairman of the Mona Electric Group. And he will have with him his grandchildren, Andy Mona and Amanda Mona. And they will be joining us to talk about their family experiences and their Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. You will not want to miss these stories of faith and light. Then later, Father Jack Hurley from the Cathedral of St. Matthews is back to talk about saints this month. And Father also has a new Bible class coming up, and he'll tell us all about the details. Then Dan Dan, the radio man, will join us and talk about things to do in Washington, D.C. And I will be discussing the Washington Auto Show going on this week and what to see there and when to go there. Do you love cars? Well, then stay tuned, and you'll hear all about it. And now I have joining me is Michael Wasabaugh, our announcer and producer, and better known as Mike at the Mic. And we're going to talk about Catholic D.C. and some Vatican news. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, Christina. How are you? I'm doing great. Great to see you. It's always a pleasure when I get to spend time with you. So did you know, Michael, that this is Catholic School Week and it runs from January 28th to Saturday, February 3rd, 2018? Yeah, I did know that. I, uh, as a Catholic school alum, uh, <laughs> it was always one of my favorite times of the year. They have a lot of events going on during Catholic School Week to get everybody involved and excited for the event. So yeah, it's very, very interesting and a great time indeed. 
So, Mike, you I know you went to Catholic school. Yep. So tell me tell me a little bit about what was the name of it and when were you there? And... Yeah. Oh, when was I there? Goodness gracious. I'm turning 30 in like, like three <laughs> days. So now we're you're trying to age me a little bit. No, I went to St. Philip's Catholic School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and it was great. I, I had such a fantastic time. With it all, I was involved in just about everything you could be involved with, soccer, basketball. I was in the band and in the theater. And so I kept every single one of those things that I did through elementary and middle school, I took to high school. And then eventually I took some of those along to college with me as well. So without that foundation that I got at my Catholic elementary school and middle school, I was able to really turn that into a lifelong experience. So, Mike, did they have any priests and nuns there, or were they mostly lay? They were mostly lay. We had two nuns, I believe, two nuns, and one was the librarian. She was, I mean, she was just the sweetest lady. She was a, teaching there when, I want to say my mom went to school there, so she was there forever. And then we had a new principal come in, and she was a sister as well. Did they so, wear the habits? Or they yes, wore... they did. Yeah, wow. both of them wore okay. the habits. Very nice women, obviously. Well, I was raised by the Dominican sisters, so... And they wore the, the beautiful long habits and veils. And I always remember the rosary beads, the black rosary beads around the waist. Sure. But now we don't see that much anymore. But I do appreciate having the Dominican sisters and the, and their education was wonderful for me. You know, another big thing that's going on this week is the Cardinal's Appeal. I yes. was just at the Cathedral Mass last night, 5.30, and of course, in the next couple of weeks, the Cardinal's Appeal is going on in all the parishes, and I believe a lot of Catholics do not know where does the money go to for the Cardinal's Appeal, because there are millions of dollars are raised for all kinds of things, you know, education, feeding the homeless, pro-life, birthing and caring programs, family planning, and uh, Catholic charities. That's big because I think a lot of the time people want to know where their money is going when they donate to these appeals. So it, it's a huge organization to take care of, and I believe that they do use some of the chaplains in the hospitals and the universities, campus ministries, and the local prison ministries as well, Pope Francis Center for the Catholic Deaf what about the production and the broadcasting of the TV mass? I, there's just so much that this Cardinal's Appeal goes towards. And I believe they set the goal at just about north of $14 million this year. I think so. Yeah, so it's going to be quite the challenge, but we are in a very great place where a lot of people love to give back to different and charities. it's a wonderful and to, city. So. And it is a great city with the Archdiocese reaches into parts of Maryland and the District of Columbia as well. So let's urge our listeners and our audience to please give to Donald Cardinal Whirl and his Cardinal's Appeal for 2008 going on in the parishes right now. Absolutely. So, hey, Mike, there's a little Vatican news that we have here. I want you to uh, tell us what's going on with the Pope. Yeah, well, on the Sunday after leading the Angelus, Pope Francis prayed for victims of two recent attacks in Afghanistan, holding a moment of silent prayer for more than 100 people who lost their lives, the more than 200 injured, and their families. Quote, yesterday from Afghanistan arrived, the painful news of the terrible terrorist massacre carried out in the capital of Kabul with almost 100 dead and numerous wounded. A few days ago, another serious attack still in Kabul had sowed terror and death in a large hotel. How long will the Afghan people have to endure this inhumane violence? We pray in silence for all the victims and their families, and we pray for those in that country who continue to work to build peace. That is what Pope Francis said of those attacks, and over 100 people killed, 200 wounded. 
in just the war-ravaged city of Kabul in Afghanistan. So attackers, what had happened, they drove an ambulance rigged with a bomb into the crowded streets in an area of the city that was filled with government buildings and embassies. Just a sad, sad moment, just a sad, sad time. And as the Pope said, we just continue to pray that eventually... How long will this inhumane violence last for hopefully not much longer at all? That's very true. And thank you, Mike, for that, because it was one of the deadliest attacks the country has ever experienced in recent months. So we pray for these people and we pray along with Pope Francis. And um, thank you so much for uh, giving us that report. So now that we're going to take a break, so thank you, Mike, for joining us. I am Christina Cox on Catholics in the Capitol, and we'll be right back. Catholics in the Capitol will return right after this break on 1160 AM WMET. On Saturday, February 24th, from 9.45 a.m. to noon, all women are invited to the St. John Paul II National Shrine for tea and rosary for mothers. There's a short presentation, breakfast, meditation on the rosary, silent prayer, discussion with the Sisters of Our Lady of Mercy, and reconciliation. Babysitting is available, and all are welcome to stay for Mass at noon. To RSVP, go to teaandrosary.eventbrite.com. Welcome back. I am Christina Cox, the radio host for Catholics in the Capitol, and I have a very special guest sitting here in the studio, Dr. Marco Clark. He is the principal and CEO president of the Bishop McNamara High School. Great to see you here, Dr. Thank you, Clark. Christina. Yeah, my pleasure. So, you know, I, I haven't been up to the high school yet, but I am, you know, put my son through preparatory school in Don Bosco in New Jersey. So I, as a single mom, I know all about the work that you're doing over there. I looked at your website. It is really a beautiful, beautiful high school. I was very impressed when I saw the basketball and the cafeteria. And I know you have a lot on your hands managing it and with the students. So I want to tell our listeners today where you're located, how many students you have, and a little bit of the history. Fantastic, yes. So uh, Bishop McNamara High School was founded in 1964 by the Congregation of Holy Cross, the Brothers of Holy Cross. And at that time, it was founded as an all-male school. In the city here was Mackin Catholic High School, which was also run by the Holy Cross Brothers. So at that time, they, uh, they expanded and built Bishop McNamara to be able to serve students primarily on the southeast side of D.C. and in southern Maryland. Um, that was 1964. 1960. In 1992, the school went co-ed. Um, like many of the schools in the region, it experienced uh, an enrollment decline, some socioeconomic changes in the region. There was certainly a migration. Uh, there were some changes within the neighborhood. There were fewer Catholic students um, to serve in the neighborhoods. And so some decisions had to be made. And so in 1992, it went co-ed. We merged with Lorraine High School, which was run by the Bernardine Franciscan Sisters. And since that time, that new McNamara, we rose from 1992 of about 200 students in our building to now serving 855 students. Oh my goodness, yeah. that's a lot of students. And I guess you were a student once yourself. I was, so I was there in the in the all boys days, and and uh, my students often ask me what that was like. And I think that the thread that ties from the beginning is that Bishop McNamara always created such a family environment, yes. um, welcoming, encouraging, positive energy. I remember 
is just as a kid from southern Prince George's County, grew up initially in District Heights and then later in Upper Marlboro. Having people believe in me before I believed in myself, opening doors of opportunity, uh, that's really what it was all about then and that's what it is today. And so um, I, I'm just really privileged as a graduate to be able to come home for these last 21 years now mm -hmm. and serve at the school that really was so much a part of my formation. Wow. So, and some of the new projects that you're doing there, I saw that you have a capital campaign going on? We do, yeah. So it's very exciting times for us. Um, as a school who just 25 years ago wondered if it could even stay open, to see us thriving today, as I mentioned, these 855 students, you know, they come to us from nine different counties in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Wow. Many of them are traveling an hour or more to come to school there. And so much of what draws them are the diversity and scope of the programs that we offer, um, certainly the academic excellence, the academic rigor. 100% of our students, uh, and if not 100%, it's 99% that go off to colleges and universities, top schools in the nation every year. And so as we've evolved and, and certainly attracted people from all over the region, we've also recognized that we're an aging facility and really trying to make sure that we're keeping up and, and that our education is, is both rigorous and relevant is important. So there's ongoing efforts to modernize classrooms, to develop the resource center as we did a few years ago, to do some expansion projects. In the last 20 years, we've done $20 million worth of renovation and expansion. Wow. We have a fine arts and athletics center on our yes. campus. We consist of four buildings on our campus. The most recent one that we just opened was named after a former classmate, a couple of years older than me, Andy Mona, the class of 1982. Oh, did Andy go there? He did. He did. And so uh, I'm an 85 alum. So I was a lowly freshman when Andy was a senior. Uh -huh. And uh, suffice to say that he ruled the school. No question really? about that. Was he, he like was, his father? He was a leader. He was outgoing, gregarious. Wow. Um, and, yes. uh, and, and some might say he even kind of pushed the edges a little bit. Um, but Andy was a difference maker, a, a really positive person in society that... Um, especially after he graduated and began working with his father at Mono Electric, at Mono Electric. and running Mono Electric. So Cap um, got involved with us, and, and I asked him, I said, you know what, it's time to remember Andy's legacy. He died tragically, obviously prematurely, I think in his mid-20s um, of melanoma, and a uh, very difficult time for the Mona family. So, but what a great way. Too, he right? was married. He had a son at that time, Andy, his son. And so the family turned that very difficult time into something positive here. And we celebrate the legacy of Andy Mona as a leader, as somebody who himself went through a conversion experience, especially during the time when he was sick. Uh -huh. uh, the people that were important to, in his life, uh, uh, Bishop William Curlin, who was by his bed for the last several weeks, is an important figure in the Mona family. So we celebrate that legacy. Mm -hmm. Bishop Curlin was also very closely connected with Bishop John McNamara, with whom we're named mm -hmm. after. So there's a thread that ties there. And then, of course, um, Mother Teresa with St. Mother Teresa. So we celebrate those legacies in this Andy Mona Student Center and, and even in its very so design. So what's in the Student Center? Yeah. What kind of a – is it a, a place a where the students It's a multipurpose student or? life uh, – it's a multipurpose student life center. So there is a classroom there that we call our Leadership Center, the Proctor Leadership Center. Mm -hmm. And that's a, a really a high-tech classroom, a meeting space. And then as well, it's a dining room, kitchen, servery, uh, before school and after school activities. It really is the hub of all campus activities. Uh, it's right in the center of campus. 99% uh, of the people that come to our school, they enter through the back doors, the back parking lot. So now that's the really the, the face of the, the, the campus. And what's so beautiful about it, too, is, is that it, we built it intentionally 
to build community. Um, so there's community spaces throughout the Student Life Center where students who are coming from all these different regions, they get to know each other. And we know that so much of the education that occurs isn't just from teacher to student, but it's from student to student, right? When they're learning about people from other backgrounds and, and other relationships and the relationships that get built. And then the other thing is, is that it's got soaring windows all the way around it. The last words that Andy spoke before he died were open the windows and throw out the screens and let Jesus in. Wow. And so it's so meaningful that's really that um, inspirational. Yeah, it is inspirational. Thank you. Chills. Well, that's fascinating. Dr. Clark, I also wanted to ask you, a lot of our listeners may be uh, on the radio on WMET, 1160 AM, listening to Dr. Clark from Bishop McNamara High School. And what if a student would like to go to your uh, high school? How do they apply and... Is it a difficult process? Fantastic. Well, great question. So it's all available online. Our, our website is www.bmhs.org. And under admissions, that process is explained pretty simply. But I will say we get between seven and 800 applications annually for our freshman class, which is going to be about 225 students. Um, they have to do it early. They have to do it early. We have an application deadline of December 15th, a financial aid deadline as well. Scholarship deadline is December the 15th. Mm-hmm. And what we encourage, we interview every one of those students. And what we're looking for most importantly is a good fit. We're looking for students, young people that have good positive energy, a positive mindset, people who are looking to not only gain from the education that they can receive, but give back to. Um, be a part of a family and uh, and build community. And so we look for those things. And um, uh, our students come from 90 different feeder programs, many Catholic elementary schools, mm-hmm. of course, um, uh, some public schools. You don't have to be Catholic. As a matter of fact, we serve today a population that's uh, less than 50% Catholic. Mm-hmm. Remarkable spiritual setting. I'm sure at some point we'll talk about Cardinal World's visit that occurred earlier this fall. And just a remarkable place of prayer and family and community. Um, and those pillars, faith, family, and future, are key pillars for us. Yes. Well, let's talk about Donald Cardinal World. Yeah, he did visit the school, right? He made some special dedication. What was that? He did. His eminence has been very good to Bishop McNamara over over the years. And in fact, we were honored that the very first school that he visited when he began his ministry here in Washington uh, was Bishop McNamara. And um, I remember when he did so, he asked the question, he was asked the question by one of our student reporters, what can the church do for me? And he used that question throughout the entire first year of his ministry here in Washington. So it was really such an honor. So we've remained very close with his eminence. Um, He's been very supportive of our school and programs. So he was there for the dedication of the Andy Mona Student Center, which happened on September 14th, mm-hmm. uh, the Feast of the Exaltation of the Holy Cross, which is a meaningful feast day for us as a Holy Cross school. Yes. Um, he was there with many local dignitaries and politicians, Holy Cross brothers from all over the world, our parent and student community and faculty and staff community and many alumni. So it was really a very special day. And he dedicated and blessed the building. And then as well, he dedicated and blessed the new Stations of the Cross that uh, we established in the main entrance to the school, where we invited our graduate and teachers who are artists to submit works of art on one of the stations that they chose. And it was just a remarkable day. Remarkable day. 
I know that you have a big fine arts program there. I also wanted to ask you, I know you sit on the board of the Consortium of the Catholic Academies. I do. So the Consortium of the Catholic Academies here in Washington, uh, part of the Archdiocese of Washington, consists of four Catholic elementary schools, uh, St. Anthony's in Brooklyn, Sacred Heart in Northwest D.C., St. Thomas More in Southeast D.C., and St. Francis Xavier in Southeast D.C. So those four schools uh, constitute the consortium. They serve primarily populations of underserved uh, students in their communities. And uh, it's just a remarkable ministry where there's so many that rally around providing the financial resources to just open doors of opportunities for students. And that's just part of what inspires me to be a part of that ministry. Well, that's fascinating. If people want to reach out to the Bishop McNamara High School website, can you give us that uh, sure website can. address yeah. and so the phone number? That is www.bmhs.org. And uh, the phone number is 301-735-8401. And we hope that you do reach out. And um, we have some great initiatives happening, too, that I'd love to tell you about. Okay, wonderful. Well, what other projects do you have coming up? We have so another couple minutes. You, you asked about the capital campaign earlier, and this is just phase one. We just completed phase one of that campaign, and, and we're now on to phase two. The paint hasn't even dried yet, and we're on to <laughs> phase two. Uh, we're in the design process for a science and innovation center. Uh, we know that, that pathways of opportunities for the future exist often through those areas of science, technology, education, uh, excuse me, engineering and math. We also integrate that with the arts. We've got a robust fine arts program. And then what better place to do it than in a Catholic school where you can also integrate ethical leadership and decision making. And this is going to, uh, we have an engineering thread at our school, so this is going to be able to allow us to add to our technology and engineering programs, add new science labs, robotics labs, entrepreneurship labs, um, and, and a center for innovation. So we're in the midst of that project now. Uh, we have a goal of opening in the year 2020, and we're certainly looking for those that uh, would want to invest and partner with us in this endeavor. But as well, we also noticed two trends that I think are important to note. We're, we're just four miles from Joint Base Andrews, which is the world's number one military base. I didn't realize and, that. And um, there's 20,000 people that are at Joint Base Andrews. And yet today we serve in our school population. Fewer than 1% of our students are from families of active duty military families. And uh, we often will have officers' children, but not so often the active duty. So um, the primary deterrent for them is finances. And these are men and women who sacrifice so much for our country. So uh, so we've begun a military family scholarship fund to be able to support military families to have the opportunity to come to Bishop McNamara. Will all this be on your website? All of that will soon be on the website. Or they yeah. can contact you, Dr. They can certainly Marco contact Clark. us. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Clark. May Christ and his mother Mary bless you and all the staff and the students at the Bishop McNamara High School. Thank Look you. forward to visiting you sometime. We hope you do, Christina. Thank you. And may God bless you and, and to all of our listeners. Just thank you. Thank you for your prayers and support, for believing in young people, and for continuing to perpetuate the faith. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Guadalupe Radio Network and being part of the family. As family, we have a duty to pray for each other, and we would be honored if you would let us pray with you and for you. You don't even have to tell us your name. Just go to our website, grnonline.com, or call our prayer request line and leave us a message at 800-395-4008. That's 800-395-4008. We will be praying for you every day. And now we're back on Catholics in the Capitol, and I would like to welcome our weekly guest, Father Jack Hurley, from the Cathedral of St. Matthews. Nice to see you, Father. How are you today? Fine, thank you. Always Um, great to see that Irish smile. Have you brought me any Irish saints today? Oh, one of the the best. Okay, well tell us, what do you have? Well, this afternoon, I would like to focus on the Church's celebrations these first three days of February, yesterday, St. Bridget of Ireland, today, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, and tomorrow, St. Blaise. On February 1st, we honor Bridget, abbess of Kildare, a patron saint of Ireland, second probably only to St. Patrick, a peacemaker and known as Mary of the Gale. She possessed a resolute spirit which made her a woman difficult to withstand, and what is known of her efforts to contribute to the spread of Christianity is mixed with myth, folklore, and miracle stories. Her legendary exploits are typically Irish, such as changing her bathwater into beer to satisfy the thirst of some visiting clerics. She established a monastery at Kildare, and some accounts have her accidentally been consecrated a bishop. Bridget has been a popular Irish name, and she is the patron of the Ladies' Ancient Order of Hibernians, a group that last century saw to the erection of the memorial just across from the entrance to our St. Matthew's Cathedral, which portrays the several orders of nuns that ministered to the sick and wounded from both sides in the American Civil War. Bridget imparted to Irish Christianity the humanizing values of compassion, charity, and courage. Now today, today's feast celebrates the presentation by Mary and Joseph of Christ in the temple at Jerusalem on the 40th day after his birth. Some, therefore, consider this as the final day of the Christmas season. It is a celebration recalled when, in the breviary, the canticle of Simeon is prayed. At the close of every day, the nunc dimittis, Lord, now you let your servant go in peace. Your word has been fulfilled. My own eyes have seen the salvation which you have prepared in the sight of every people, a light to reveal you to the nations. Inspired by these final words, a light to the revelation of the Gentiles, of the nations, the custom developed in the West of blessing candles on this day. Because of this, the feast also became known as Candlemas. And perhaps this focus on light influenced the choice of February 2nd as Groundhog Day. 
Then tomorrow, we celebrate the Feast of St. Blaise, an early Armenian bishop. According to one story, he healed a youth suffering from a fishbone lodged in his throat. And thus, it is a day when many churches offer a blessing of the throat ceremony. With two unlighted candles held under the chin, the minister prays, through the intercession of St. Blaise, Bishop and Martyr, may God deliver you from ills of the throat and other ailments. Not a bad prayer during this flu season. Very true, Father. Well, let's start with um, St. Bridget. Since you're from Ireland, was it a big tradition? I mean, is she very popular there? Oh, yes. That's my mother's middle name. And I had an Aunt Bridget. And sometimes it's known as Bridie. Uh, the spelling may be different. Sometimes it might even be confused a little bit with another fine saint, St. Bridget of Sweden. So when do people pray to St. Bridget then? For well, any particular ailment or cause? Well, there are many stories about her, but she's probably best known as St. Patrick was for the shamrock by what is known as a Bridget Cross. Oh. It is a small cross made from reeds, which are kind of similar to palm branches. And it's a small cross, and it, um, it is popularly known as Bridget's Cross. But she is considered to be the, after St. Patrick, the, One of the, biggest the principal saints. saint for Ireland. Well, that's very interesting. And today we had the presentation of the Lord by Mary and Joseph of Christ at the Temple of Jerusalem. And um, isn't there some tradition where Monsignor Jamison blesses candles as Christ brings the light into the nations? Yes. Uh, or he did that, actually, at the 8 o'clock Mass. And these will be candles, some of which will be used throughout the year for various reasons. And it is tied in with this uh, reference to Simeon's prayer, describing the new baby Christ as a light to the revelation of the Gentiles. And quickly, Father, we only have one minute. So tell us about St. Blaise. If I have a sore throat or I don't want to get one, should I come down and put the two candles underneath the chin for a blessing? Well, the candles won't be lit, so you don't have to worry about getting <laughs> your hair on fire. <laughs> Okay. Um, but it, it is, I think, a good prayer, and it's not a guarantee, of course, but like the flu shot, it's, it's a help. Well, that's all very helpful, Father. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. Great to see you, and I look forward to seeing you at the Cathedral of St. Matthews very soon again. Thank you. Are you looking for a school for your daughter, grade 6 through 12, that offers an inspiring education grounded in the teachings of the Catholic Church? Oakcrest School, an independent all-girls school, has been doing that for over 40 years. For more information or to set up a tour at its beautiful new campus centrally located in Vienna, Virginia, go to oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. That is oakcrest.org forward slash W-M-E-T. And now we are back at Catholics in the Capitol. And I'd like to welcome my co-host, Dan Dan, the radio man. And now we're going to talk about what to do in Washington, D.C. How are you, Dan? I'm great, Christina. How are you today? 
I'm trying to keep warm. It's a pretty cold week. Well, I don't know if you know this, but the Washington Auto Show, it started on January 26th, and it's going on until Sunday at 6 o'clock this weekend. Have you heard about it? Yes, I've heard a few things about it. So, uh, you know, people have a couple more days to go to the auto show, and it's a great, I wouldn't even say it's an event, it's an experience. They have so many things going on at the auto show. It's taking place at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center. Um, you have to buy tickets. Now, it's normally $12 for an adult, but they have discount for uh, $5 for kids between uh, 6 and 12, and then kids under 6, it's free. And I know they have some discounts for military members, veterans, and then seniors and students. But to learn more about the tickets where you can buy them online or at the door, go to WashingtonAutoShow.com. Get in while you have a few days with over 600 new models on display from, you know, domestic car makers to all the nice, fancy, you know, international cars from Ferrari, and the exotic cars. Yes, the exotic cars. Some of the ones that people really love to see. Um, you know, if you, if you could buy any car you want, it's great to see which car uh, you would pick if you go to a show like this to see them all displayed. Well, I know what I would pick, Dan. I'm going to take the Bentley. The Bentley with the Mulsanne. Speed goes from 60 miles an hour in 4.8 seconds, and the top speed is 190. But it looks so classy, so that would be my pick. Well, if, for me, you know, you can never go wrong with the Italian cars. So Ferrari Enzo as a beautiful car. Obviously, the classic red color uh, gives it that wow factor. But also another cool Italian car is Lamborghini Spider. It seems like something futuristic. Uh, like Batmobile meets uh, the future type thing. How do the doors open on that one? Do they go I, up I in the air? I imagine they, they go straight up. The Lamborghini's classic style is just to go straight up into the air. Wow. So how do you feel about hybrids then? Do you know anything about electric hybrids? A little bit. Um, I know the, the hybrids have gotten better in the past few years. Originally, they were uh, when they first came out, a lot of people were uh, on the wall about them. But I, you know, with some of the automakers like BMW or Tesla or even uh, Toyota, they've done a great job of bringing some hybrids to the market. You know, depending on budget and need, I don't see a problem with the, the hybrid cars. And Are they more expensive than a regular car? They tend to be. They tend to be marked up uh, at least a several thousand more than a typical. And is the gas better? Uh, oh, hopefully, hopefully you don't hopefully. need any. Yeah, hopefully, you don't need any <laughs> gas. That's that's the hope with the, the hybrids. Okay. Um, the hybrids are electrical, so you need very little gas to, to none if you go with electrical cars. Okay. So um, what else are they doing over there? Do you know any contests or anything that are happening or tours? Well, they have an interesting contest that actually gets a lot of interest from people. They do what's called the hands-on contest. And this is for the opportunity to win a Hyundai Tucson SEL. And what they do is they pick 10 people from, uh, I guess, hundreds of applicants. And it starts on January 30th, so this past Tuesday. Right. And people have to keep their hand on the automobile until oh, really? uh, the last person remaining or until this Sunday, February 4th at noon. Now, every three hours, they get a 15-minute break. And if more than one person still has their hand on the vehicle, by a Friday afternoon, what they do is then they put those people's name in a bowl and they just pick out one to win the actual car. That um, doesn't sound so easy. I mean, it sounds like it's a real challenge. I can imagine. I'm, I'm sure after one day of doing it, uh, people are exhausted <laughs> and uh, probably thought it was going to be a lot well, easier than they thought to win a free out. car. And then also, what they have going on too, which is very interesting. Now, this does not included with your uh, normal ticket, is they offer VIP tours to people. Now, you have to purchase a ticket. The interesting thing here is that they actually pick auto journalists mm -hmm. uh, from around the country to actually give you a two hour tour, VIP tour of some of the vehicles on display, go underneath the hoods. And then uh, one thing that they're going to do is give you a, a tour of 2019 vehicles that are coming out only regionally. 
which some of these include the Hyundai Volster, the Jeep Wrangler, the Ram 1500, and Volkswagen Jetta. But what I like about this is they're not actually bringing people from the actual automakers to give you the tour, but auto journalists. And they're going to give their honest opinion, what they think is the best or what are the, the you well, know, that not so good exciting. points of different vehicles. Yeah. You get another opinion. Yes. And, and so, then what else they got there? Since we only got a few minutes, tell us, what should we see? How about those cars that have the, that are painted with the artwork? Yes, so they call it the art of motion. So they're bringing in different uh, artists to paint vehicles and do murals um, and uh, live in front of an audience. And so they have a list on the website of the vehicles they're going to paint. And they have, I think, videos from previous years so you can see some of the artwork, but actually bring to life some of these cars. It's not going to be, you know, all white or whatever, but different unique uh you know, Do you happen to know the website? Or? Yes, the website, again, is WashingtonAutoShow.com. Go there. You can purchase tickets online, but everything we discussed, and plus much more, um, you can look up. And bring the family. And uh, kids under six are free. Yes, kids under six. And remember, uh, military and uh, seniors and students, there's discounts, but you have to go specifically to the website to see what those discounts are. And then also, you know, if you want to ride some of these vehicles, again, go there. Uh, they have what's called Ride and Drive. For some of the automakers, but you have to look at the list because each day they have a schedule set out. Wonderful. Well, I'll catch the Washington Auto Show this weekend at the Washington Convention Center. Thank you, Dan. You're welcome. Did you know taking the oral contraceptive pill for cycle irregularities may delay or prevent a diagnosis? Try the alternative in NAPRO Technology Approaches, networking natural family planning and women's health, which can help discover the underlying cause. You can find your local fertility care center at fertilitycare.org forward slash Maryland or visit adw.org forward slash family for in-person or distance learning options. Your cycles and your doctor's care in harmony with your spirituality. Not sure what gift to get for your loved one or what book to read next? Go to Pascal Lamb. Pascal Lamb is a full-service Catholic bookstore and gift shop. Located in Fairfax, Virginia, Pascal Lamb has a large variety of top-quality merchandise and a knowledgeable staff. We're open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. For more information, call 703-273-5956 or shop online at pascallamb.com. Welcome back. I am Christina Cox, your radio host at Catholics in the Capitol. And now we come to the part of the show that you've all been waiting for. We have a very special guest in our studio today. Well, actually, three guests. Vince Cap Mona is back with us again today. And he has brought Amanda Mona and Andy Mona, who are part of the Susan and Andrew Mona Foundation. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Hey, hello. Hey. How are you doing? It's great to have you here. It's wonderful. Actually, I'm looking out at the United States Capitol, the capital of the free world. I was uh, riding my bicycle around here a couple decades ago as a little kid, and uh, it just brings back so many memories. Thank you, Christina, for inviting us and my little family here again. It's such a pleasure. Well, I thought today we'd talk a little bit about walking through the storms of life and keeping the faith in God. Your special experiences with business successes and family struggles were excellent examples of how to be strong in tough times. And we want to inspire our listeners to not give up hope when times are difficult. So today, by sharing these intimate experiences, 
with us of love, loss, acceptance, and healing. We can learn from you and each other. So, Vince, may I call you Cap? Oh, please do. Okay. My mother only called me Vincent when I was a bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we like Cap. That's easy, (laughs) and it has a snap to it. There you go. Okay. Well, I had the pleasure of reading your book, as you know, called Mona, about your life and your business and your family, and you are such a wonderful Catholic leader and mentor to so many people. Can you share with us how you and your wife and Sue worked together to build Mona Electric? Oh, boy, yes. I recall that with great, great pleasure. It's, uh, you know, when you have a a little business that you're trying to start up and uh, also have three children under the age of three years old, obviously you need the entire team to work with you. Now, the kids, they, they didn't cooperate as much as they should have, but uh, we, we put them to bed once in a while. And, uh, but nonetheless, yes, Sue was, was tremendous. Uh, she did the books. Uh, she typed. And uh, you know, while I was doing the, the outside work uh, with uh, hands-on, uh, she was doing the inside office, and it was a good combination. So business was growing, and it was very successful, and your family was growing, and, and everything was going wonderful. And you had a beautiful son named Andrew who worked in the business. Tell me about him. Oh, of course. Uh, Andrew uh, was the spark plug. Uh, he reminds me of myself, uh, just uh, very energetic, you know, like the Energizer Bunny, if you would. You know, he, he doesn't have a cutoff switch. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, a friendly young man who made uh, friends just so easy. And uh, a lot of his friends worked in our company. And uh, we were so, so uh, happy to have family and friends working in the beginning. And when he uh, got to be 12 years old, he, he was working in the company. And uh, he ended up having yeah. an entire wall full of paycheck stubs uh, that people, uh, all his friends still remember now. They say, oh, Cap, you remember Andy's wall? Yep, I remember Andy's wall. He was, he was quite a man. <laughs> Sounds like he was very eager to succeed, and he had a lot of things on his mind at a young age. And um, so did he get married young as well? Not as young as me. I got married at 17, <laughs> almost 18. But uh, no, he, he got married like 20 years old. And how many children did he have? Well, he, he, thank the Lord he had one handsome young man, uh, Andy the Second. Andy, who's joining us. He, he almost looks like he could be one of yours. Oh, I'm telling you, yeah. <laughs> well, then I know that you had, uh, Andrew had gotten sick. He had gotten ill. And the family kind of pulled together, right, to try to be strong and supportive when he was going through his illness. Why don't you tell us, Andy, tell me about your dad, and you've heard such wonderful things about him. You must have been little when he passed away. You must have some fabulous stories. Yes, he was uh, He was young when he passed, and I was also very young, uh, just about to turn two. And, you know, I didn't get to know him as well as I would have loved to, but through working at CAPS, amazing business, Mona Electric, and we were actually able to work at the Andy Mona Student Center at Bishop McNamara High School. Uh, I think I've gotten to know him a lot better than I used to. And one of the stories that really, you know, strikes me that I've heard about Andy and his uh, his personality and way of life was when he ran our service department, he actually occasionally, before direct deposit, would bring his employees in to hand deliver his check to them so he could personally give them not only a check, but a token of gratitude and a, a sign of respect of what they do for the company. And uh, I try to bring that into my life. That's wonderful. You give them a handshake, a big smile, and they got their paycheck all at the same time. Yep. 
Well, I think your grandfather also stressed about taking care of the customers and the employees and the families and the people that work there were very important, correct? Without a doubt. And then as we move on, and your father then passed away, right? He came down with melanoma? Correct, yes. It sounds like he was the best dad in the world at the end, though, and um, and now you're doing his business and in his job? I am. I'm actually, I am working at Mellon Electric, as he did on the construction side. He was in the service department, and believe it or not, they're two totally different animals. But uh, So I think it's kind of funny. I'm uh, going astray from my genetics here with the... Uh, my career path at Mona, but, you know, I try to use the respect and the careness that he had for what he did in everything I do, especially at Mona Electric and uh, in my personal life with my son and my, uh, my daughter. Well, that's wonderful. Well, tell me, Cap, when Andrew passed that Sue, your wife of 42 years, she started a foundation, didn't she? Yes. We were, were moved to the point where we said we had to have uh, his name out there and continue to do good work in the community. So she started the Andrew Foundation first. The Andrew Mona Foundation, yes. Right, Andrew Mona Foundation. So, Amanda, tell us about your grandmother. What was Sue like? You told me when we spoke on the phone that you have some great memories of her. Yes. Um, she was a wife. She was a mother, grandmother, a philanthropist. She was an open book, a giver, and never a receiver. She was colorful and just a beautiful ball of light. You could always go to her for anything. And um, she, I like to model my life after her because she would give you the shirt off her back if anyone needed it. And um, she was just a wonderful, remarkable human being. Tell our listeners the story that you told me about <laughs> this child in the wheelchair. Yeah. Um, so I actually had spoken to my father about this because I couldn't figure out how old I was. So this was over 20 years old. Uh, I met this girl probably about 1995, 94. I'd been four or five years old when this girl came to my grandparents' house. And she was in need of braces and a new wheelchair. At that age, you think you see someone, you know, your size, you think, oh, it's someone here to play with me, you know, someone to be my friend. And it ended up being someone that the Andrew Mona Foundation had brought in because it was someone who was in severe need. And it wasn't just her, but it was about her and her family and her home environment and what her life was like. So it was the beginning to make you think about even today as the foundation is growing and that that your grandmother, Sue, had this inkling to help people. Absolutely. And it was from all every walks day, of life. Everyday life from all walks of life. She was very sensitive and could feel other people's pain. A million percent. Absolutely. Well, that is a beautiful story. Well, explain to us about the Susan and Mona Foundation is also to improve the quality of life of people suffering and disabilities or assisting in education. Could you give us a little bit of info about what the foundation's mission is? Our mission is it's more than just the person. It's their name and where they come from and who they are and what their backgrounds are. Our grandmother made it very you know, known that it was just, it was bigger than that. It was about personal everything. You want to get to know this person and, you know, you bring them in and you take care of them. However we can help them, that is what we want to do. 
it's always bigger than that. So, so it comes from word of mouth <laughs> or people know other people and um, then they recommend them to you when you get a call. Yes. A lot of the times that is how we um, usually get these people or, you know, through our scholarships that we've done and especially word of mouth. There's always someone who knows somebody in need. But with our company always having hundreds of employees and family and friends naming in the hundreds and it has to be a person within our sphere because our sphere is only so large and we're only so big. We can't help everybody yes. that needs. It, 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 family, friends, employees, and their friends is who we can help. That's a very good point. And yes. you keep everything under one umbrella. And I'm sh like you said, you have so many employees, but somebody may come to you that works there and says, I have a family or my, somebody in their family needs some help. Absolutely. So that's a great um, concept to have that not only you have this comfort that you're working at a place and you can make a living but also if something was to go wrong you can also go to your employer and maybe ask for some help yes yes we felt like we were a, a small town and uh, uh, sue and i were like the mayor and vice mayor of the small town we, we, we had a responsibility well i see that um the catholic standard newspaper had a dedication to the new susan Denison Mona Beacon of Hope Center last October, and Cardinal World was there. What kind of a facility is it, Cap, and how did that begin? Well, uh, the Cardinal uh, mentioned that uh, we had the Cardinal Hickey Center at Montgomery County, and uh, he needed a facility, and uh, we offered this facility. It's a former restaurant that I built uh, in 1979. Uh, in fact, one of the tenants was uh, Joe Theismann, his restaurant uh, was there in the grand uh, days of really prosperity of uh, that restaurant. And now it's, it's a two-story facility that has the uh, five dental chairs, a medical facility, immigration, legal. And on the second floor, it's going to be a health uh, area and uh, a gym. And the, uh, the kitchen's still in, intact from the commercial kitchen. And MGM uh, celebrity chefs are going to come there and teach folks how to eat uh, healthy and actually put it across the Maryland uh, public television, eating healthy. Well, that's exciting. Uh, Amanda, is that a relationship with the Catholic Charities uh, that you have there with the center? Yes. Um, we work with Catholic Charities. Um, that's actually how we got some of these businesses that are, you know, the dental clinic and the lawyers and everything. It's all through Catholic Charities. It's yeah. a big partnership. Catholic Charities owns the facility. I gifted yes. it to them. Oh, that's beautiful. What about the University of Maryland? How are they involved? Yeah, they're, they're co-partners, uh, yes. Well, that's great, and I, we look forward to seeing and hearing more about that center. Can you give us the website or how they can find it online, Amanda? The Beacon of Hope Center? Yes. It's on the Catholic Charities website. I believe there's a, a tab on there for the Beacon of Hope Center. Wonderful. Well, that's exciting, and I think there will be a lot of listeners out there <clears throat> that somebody might need some hope so can you also tell us about Mark Ballard, who is a veteran and family friend, Andy? Absolutely. Uh, Mark is, without a doubt, a, a family friend at this point. And uh, he's a gentleman, an Army veteran, that ended up getting in a tragic car accident on his way out of D.C. one day and ultimately lost use of his uh, lower extremities. And he's homebound, bedbound for the last 16 years and we've been working to assist him in whatever ways we can, whether that's bringing him a meal or uh, stopping by to turn his thermostat up as the winter gets cold. Well, Andy, hold that thought because we're ending this show. 
So Andy, Amanda, and Cap will be back. Well, that was a really great show today, and I learned a lot about Catholic schools, and this is Catholic School Week, so don't forget to check it out. And I would like to thank Dr. Marco Clark for his interview today and talking about Bishop McNamara High School. Don't forget and check out their new Science and Innovation Center, which will be great for students with dreams of high achievements. The establishments of their new programs are to support high achievement for low-income students around southeast part of D.C. and Prince George's County. Plus, if you're in the military and you're transferred to this area and are looking for Catholic education, they have support programs. So remember to go to Dr. Marco Clark or write to him at marco.clark at bmhs.org. And we're also looking forward to having this, their students come and visit WMET AM 1160 station and their participation with the Guadalupe Radio Network. We also invite other Catholic schools to contact us and to come on our show, Catholics in the Capitol. It's always a pleasure to have Vincent Cap Mona on our show to talk about his company, Mona Electric. And thank you, Cap, for bringing our audience and your wonderful family news about the Andrew and Susan Mona Foundation. Let us support all incredible things with their foundation, such as they're hosting one of Maryland's biggest events, Christmas in April, and Mark Ballard, and so many people that are in need. Our sponsor of the show is Vince Cap Mona and the Mona Electric Group. Did you know that Mona Electric is one of the top electrical contractors in the tri-state area? If you're building excellence and you want the best, you need Mona Electric to give you five-star service. Here we are in February, and it's just two weeks, and we have Mardi Gras coming up, which is a big celebration in some countries and cities, like New Orleans has a big parade. And we have all seen that on TV. And the word Mardi Gras is French, and it means Fat Tuesdays. And it's a pre-Lenten celebration of carnival, of feasting, and um, for the last fling, as you would say, a participation right before we have Ash Wednesday. And I just read from the Catholic News Agency that the Archdiocese plans that Catholic will be dispensed from the law of fasting and abstinence on Ash Wednesday, suggests that all Catholics plan to celebrate Valentine's Day should do it on February 13th. So make a note of it. Fasting and giving up some favorite food or doing some act of voluntary abstinence is a Catholic tradition. So be thinking these next few days of what you could be offering up in the next 40 days of Lent. I must say, as a devout Roman Catholic, I'm always proud to see so many Catholics in church getting their ashes on Ash Wednesday. It's one of the church's most popular masses of all time, and the church is always overfilled with people, sometimes right out the door to the sidewalk. Ash Wednesday officially begins Lent and the Easter cycle. And Ash Wednesday, are they use the ashes from the previous year, from the burnt palms, and they, they're saved, and then they are used on the forehead of the people that come to the parish. Many times a priest will say, Remember, O man, that you are the dust, and unto you shall return. Genesis three, nineteen. We love to receive our ashes as we begin the Lenten season, and I'd like to read a prayer from St. Clair of Assisi. A prayer for Lent. O most gentle Jesus, by your precious blood, deliver us from all evils. By your most bitter death, give us the lively faith, firm hope, 
and perfect charity, so that with our whole hearts we may love you, and with all our soul and strength. Make us persevere in your service, firm and steadfast in good works, so that we may be always able to please you. That was from St. Clair of Assisi. Well, mark your calendars for February 14th, the beginning of Lent. This is a wonderful season to come and share the Gospels of Jesus Christ with your friends and family. Let us remember that today is February 2nd, and we celebrated the presentation of the Lord. And um, Monsignor Jameson blessed the candles at the Cathedral of St. Matthew's, and they will be used all year. Don't forget that Saturday is the blessing of the throats, and we celebrate the memorial of St. Blaise, and there's an 8 o'clock Mass and a 12 noon Mass also at the cathedral. But listen, on Sunday, we celebrate Black History Month, and there will be a soul food brunch on February 4th in the North Conference Room, and the brunch will be going on after all four Masses, so don't miss this great meal. They're going to have eggs and sausage and biscuits and even homemade lasagna and cookies. So stop down to the Cathedral of St. Matthew's on Sunday and enjoy. So don't forget next week, my special guest will be Sister Marie Carmen of the Sisters of Mercy and part two of the family story of Vince Capmona, Andy and Amanda Mona. I'd like to thank Dan Dan, the radio man, for joining me today on what to do in Washington. Don't forget to go down and see the Washington Auto Show. I'd like to thank Mike Wasabah, who is Mike at the Mic for joining me with the news today and the Catholic School Report plus the Vatican News. And thank you all for joining us today. And don't forget about Father Jack and uh, the saints that he brought up in his um, talk today. So if you'd like to write to our program today, you can contact me at Christina Cox at grnonline.com. Until then, I'd like to thank all our listeners for joining us. I am Christina Cox, your radio host for Catholics in the Capitol on WMET 1160 AM. And in closing, join with me in saying, God bless the Roman Catholic Church and God bless America.